0: All right, Psalm 102, and I trust that uh, after last Wednesday that maybe you took a little time uh, to reread this. Last Wednesday we asked the question, who is the afflicted one? And we looked at several overall characteristics of him, but what we found is that This psalm has a quotation and a section of it in our New Testament. Who remembers what book that was? Mm -hmm. Hebrews. Who remembers what chapter? Chapter 1. I'm not going to ask you what verse, but Mm -hmm. chapter 1 will get you there. And what we find is that those verses are in Psalm 102, verses 24 through 27, And we learn that those passages is God the Father addressing who? The incarnate Son. And so we know from that that the afflicted one is who? It is the Son of God. It is the incarnate Son, God in human flesh. Now in saying that, we're not saying that none of the aspects of this psalm would have been true in whoever wrote it. But the whole passage, as we recall, excuse me, in verse 18, it says that this will be written for the generation to come. So, this is for future generation, a generation of a people yet to be created And once they understand this psalm, their response is what? Praise Praise to the Lord. And so let's read this psalm again. And as we read this psalm, what I want you to look for this time is see if you can find how many verses in the psalm actually have a prayer request. So let's read this together. Psalm 102. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry for help come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress. Incline your ear to me in the day when I call, answer me quickly. For my days have been consumed in smoke, and my bones have been scorched like a hearth. My heart has been smitten like grass and has withered away. Indeed, I forget to eat my bread. Because of the loudness of my groaning, my bones cling to my flesh. I resemble a pelican of the wilderness. <clears throat> I have become like an owl in the waste places. I lie awake. I have become like a lonely bird on a housetop. My enemies have reproached me all day long. Those who deride me have used my name as a curse, for I have eaten ashes like bread and mingled my drink with weeping because of your indignation and your wrath, for you have lifted me up and cast me away. My days are like a lengthened shadow, and I wither away like grass. But you, O Lord, abide forever and your name to all generations. You will arise and have compassion on Zion, for it is time to be gracious to her, for the appointed time has come. Surely your servants find pleasure in her stones and feel pity for her dust. So the nations will fear the name of the Lord and all the kings of the earth your glory. For the Lord has built up Zion, he has appeared in his glory. He has regarded the prayer of the destitute and has not despised their prayer. This will be written for the generation to come, that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. For he looked down from his holy height, from heaven the Lord gazed upon the earth, to hear the groaning of the prisoner, to set free those who were doomed to death that men may tell of the name of the Lord in Zion and His praise in Jerusalem, when the peoples are gathered together and the kingdoms to serve the Lord. He has weakened my strength in the way He has shortened my days. I say, O my God, do not take me away in the midst of my days. Your years are throughout all generations." Of old you have founded the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. Even they will perish, but you endure, and all of them will wear out like a garment, like clothing. You will change them, and they will be changed, but you are the same, and your years will not come to an end. The children of your servants will continue, and their descendants will be established before you. So here we have 28 verses in this psalm. How many of those verses are requests or petitions? Anybody get a number? Okay, one person says three verses. Anyone else? Three. Three? Okay, is three the consensus or do we have another? Three. Three, okay. We have two left to... Voice, how many do you think? I didn't count. <laughs> you did not count. Okay. I didn't count. You didn't count either. All right. Typical business meeting in a Baptist honestly, church. Have have a guess. Okay. Six. Six. Okay. Well, that's that's good guess for not having looked at. It. It's actually three. Okay. Thirty. Three. Three. Okay. okay. <clears throat> Let's look. Let's look at those verses. Verse one. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry for help come to you. That's a request, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Verse 2 <clears throat> Do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress. Incline your ear to me in the day when I call. Answer me quickly. Is that a request? Yes. That is a request. And what verse is the third request? 24. Verse 24 he says i say oh my god do not take me away in the midst of my days your years are throughout all generations <clears throat> so we have 28 verses in a psalm that is a prayer is it not to the lord so it has instruction for us beyond just you know the understanding of it in general three verses out of 28 so we have a prayer of which only about 10% of it is request. Okay, now think about that. Think in general about your prayer life. Think in general, just in general, because there are times where you would pray like this and times that You wouldn't, but in general, how many of your prayer times involve the overwhelming majority being request and very little other? That is amazing to me. And I'm sure that you've probably heard or thought or heard preached that you don't really need to be so verbose with the Lord because he already knows all these things. In other words, does he know he's afflicted? Does he really know his situation? Does he really know his inner heart? He knows all that, doesn't he? So if we were going by that advice, we would just pray verse 1, verse 2, and verse 24, and then get up and be done. But the psalmist doesn't do that, does he? We have 25 verses in this psalm. Some of it involves what I'm calling argumentation. Now, he's not arguing in the sense of rebutting. He's arguing in the sense of he's making a case, right? He's saying, here's my prayer request, <clears throat> and here's my case on why you ought to answer that prayer request. There's a part of this psalm that is instructive. And there's a part of this psalm that is God's response to the afflicted one. Okay, so let's just, let's just kind of look at that. Verses 3 through 17. He's arguing or he's making a case for the Lord to hear his prayers. In verses 3 through 11, he actually describes his own temporal state. And you'll see that in verse 3. My days are like this. My bones are like this. My heart is like this. My groaning is like this. My loneliness looks like this. My enemies are saying this. My food and drink has been ashes. All of this because, verse 10, of your indignation and your wrath, here's my temporal state, you have lifted me up and cast me away. My days are like a lengthened shadow. And of course, all men are like grass. And he says, I wither like what? I wither like grass. All of that is making a case, but he's making a case by bringing to the Lord's attention in the prayer his temporal state. And I say temporal state because it deals with this life. Right? Right? So in other words, we had a prayer request for for a lab result in a couple of weeks. And we could pray, we could say, Lord, would you do this in light of that lab result? And that would not be wrong. That's making a what? Making a request. All right. But if, if the person having the lab request says, now, Lord, this is my desire, and then describes the temporal situation that they're in. Instead of just saying, well, Lord, you you know you know all about it. Well he already knows what you're going to ask before you ask. So if that's the case, don't pray. Right? It's arguing for the Lord to answer the prayer, to observe the misery or the distress or the situation or the things that are surrounding the prayer request. Everybody everybody, see that? He's describing that to the Lord himself. Not only, and this may strike you as interesting, it did me. All of these observations, by the way, are challenges to my own prayer life. As I thought about the challenges of this to my own prayer life, I thought, well, I'll give them to us, and that way our whole church can be challenged on this. But not only is he making a case by describing his temporal state, he actually, in verses 12 through 17, he will contrast his temporal state to God's eternal state. You see that in verse 12. But you, O Lord, how long? Forever. Everybody see that? Your name, how long? All generations. See, that's in contrast to his situation because he feels like, <clears throat> look at verse 23, that his strength has been weakened to the point that his earthly days have been what? Shortened or numbered. Everybody see that? I'm going to have to confess to you that in all of my times of praying and making requests, and the relatively few times in light of all the prayer requests I've ever given to the Lord that I've actually taken time to describe the situation okay I can't think of one time that after describing my situation or my distress that I've ever contrasted it to him I find that instructive. Because what that does is it sweeps, doesn't it? It sweeps your eyes off of you to to Him. Okay? So my life is temporal in the sense on this earth. Seventy years and if by strength, eighty, right? Then I'm done. As far as this earth is concerned. Contrast that to the Lord eternal eternal his days never began his days never cease and so he describes God's eternal state and then he talks about that the Lord himself is going to do something for Zion and for those who fear his name and he describes that Lord Here I am, I'm under this distress, and it's now the appointed time for you to act. So act. So he's arguing, isn't he? He's making the request, first two verses, verse 24, and then he's making a case by describing his temporal state and looking at God's eternality. And then it's also instructive because if you look down in verses 18 through 24, uh, this is instructive because in verse 18 we find out that the psalm is written for who? It's for, written for a generation to come. Everybody see that? That's instructive. And then we know in verses, in verses 25 through verse 28, or at least through verse 27, we have the Lord responding. Right, So what we have there in those verses is really God's response to the prayer and to the instructiveness of this psalm. And so <clears throat> I look at this and I say to myself, I've never done that. <laughs> now listen, listen to this type of praying a type of praying that you would get a prayer notebook maybe, and you would write down your prayer request. Okay? Then you would jot down the argumentation for the Lord to answer that prayer request. And then you would write down the things that you have been instructed while you are waiting for that prayer request to be answered and even might even write down God's response to your prayers that you've gotten out of the scripture you know sometimes you go to the scripture and it's like Lord he'll answer you move on in your prayer request sometimes he wants you to continue praying right But here's that prayer journal where you got the request, you have a few outlines of the present situation, contrasted with God's situation, with some instruction, and how God ministered to you in that time of that prayer request out of His Word. That's what this psalm is doing. And folks, that's amazing, isn't it? I would dare say that if I kept a prayer prayer journal like that, that type of detail, that that would be profitable for the next generation. Wouldn't you think, say so? Just like this psalm is profitable for the generation to come. Now let's quickly look at the request. In verses 1 and 2, in verse 1 you have here... That's the request. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Verse 1, let my cry come. In verse 2, you have this request. Do not hide your face. Answer me quickly. Everybody see that? There you got the verbs. And then in verse 24, you have... Do not take me away. Okay, so there there are your prayer requests. In those prayer requests, in verse 1, he tells us what he means by hearing his prayer. A lot of times in Hebrew poetry, what you'll have is a statement and then another statement that elaborates on the previous statement. So, for instance, in verse 1, Hear my prayer, O Lord. What do you mean by that? Let my cry for help come to you. Everybody see that? So, to hear is for the Lord to consider my cry. Or verse 2, here's the prayer request. Do not hide your face. What do you mean by that? Answer me Quickly. (laughs) Everybody see that? Okay. So, do not hide your face means, look, consider my situation, answer me without delay. So this is an urgent prayer request. And then in verse 24, do not take me away, refers to actually cutting him out of the land of the living, possibly even cutting him out from God himself. And so he is concerned about those types of things. Now brethren, as we look at those prayer requests, we have to say to ourselves this. Delay in prayer is normal. Now think about that just for a while. I know in my prayer request, if I see it within a day, I consider that super fast. (laughs) Right? Because it may take days. It may take months. You've heard of people praying for years for their children to be saved or their grandchildren. I've had prayers, I've mentioned this before, for understanding that occurred 15 years after the prayer. I think we're safe to say, as a general rule of thumb, that delay is normal when it comes to our prayers. Now, I say that because in verse 1, you've got this. Let my cry for help come to you. What's the implication? Has he been crying? Mm -hmm. Yes. And he's saying, Lord, let the cry come to you. Hear me. Or verse 2. If I pray in the day when I call, answer me quickly. That means what? (laughs) That means that at least in normal praying, the answer doesn't always come. It always doesn't come quickly. And folks, I do think that that little truth right there is helpful. Now, if you ask me why does the Lord delay sometimes his answering our prayers, I think the the reasons for that are beyond being searched out. I think we're safe to say it's to build our faith, or at least to exhibit our faith, right? We got a verse, we believe that verse, we're asking God to act on that. I think that sometimes the prayer request that you're asking for God needs to work in your life before he can give it to you. In other words, if he answered everything super quick, we might get a little cocky about that, right? Our sinful nature is so quick to make us self-righteous about things. And of course there's this overwhelming purpose of God that we can't get, that is unsearchable. You can't get to the bottom of it. But I do think that delay in prayer is normal. And folks, I think that if we could just get that in our spirit, that it would help us not get discouraged so quickly in our prayer life. And you remember our Lord himself said that we are to keep on asking and keep on knocking and keep on praying, right? And so, we are to continually present those scriptural prayers back unto Him, especially scriptural prayers that are in line with His mystery that He has revealed to us. If we're praying things in line with that mystery, we can be assured it will be what? It will be answered. And that mystery being accomplished is His will. It was accomplished in Christ, and now it's being outworked in this world. So, folks, delay in prayer, I think, in general, is normal. And I think that if we get an answer quickly, <clears throat> that is unusual and calls for extra thanksgiving. Everybody everybody, see what I'm saying? I'm not trying to discourage you in your praying. okay? <laughs> But sometimes we think, well, God's not heard my prayers. I prayed it three times, (laughs) you know. And it's not that God can't hear you. He does hear you, but he's teaching you in the midst of that praying. He's working out the answer to that prayer. He's working in you a scriptural understanding of who he is. There's lots of things going on there in our prayer life. So folks, I go back to the challenge that I begin this with. I think we need to give some considerations and some planning to make our request and then to give proper reasons that God ought to answer that request. Secondly, I think we ought to take time to contrast our present distress with who God is. And then I think thirdly, there there are perhaps times where we are to write down how God responds out of His Word toward us. It could be instruction, it could be the answer, whatever that is, so that we would know what God's response to it out of the Scripture is. And you'll see here... The psalmist is concerned about being cut off, right? Shortening his days. And look at how God responds. Verse 26. Even they, the heavens and the earth, will perish, but you, what? You endure. Everybody see that? He says, Lord, you've shortened my days. No, you will what? You will endure. You'll endure longer than the heavens and the earth. That's a long time, isn't it? That's God's response to the prayer of, as we know of, the prayer of the incarnate Son of God as He is before Him. So let's go to our Lord in prayer.